I'm Dr. Ralph Ford, Chancellor of Penn State Barron, and you are listening to Barron Talks. My guest today is Dr. Tim Kurzweig, Director of the School of Engineering and also a Professor of Electrical and Computer Engineering. Welcome to the show, Tim. Thanks. Happy to be here, Ralph. Well, I'm going to run through your bio real quickly. Dr. Kurzweig holds a doctorate and master's degree in electrical engineering from the University of Pittsburgh. But you're a Penn Stater as well. You got your Indeed. bachelor's degree here at Penn State. And uh, before you came here, uh, you've had a very distinguished career at Drexel University. You have really uh, had a strong career in terms of teaching, research. You've been principal or co-principal investigator on over nine and a half million dollars in funded research, and that's an impressive number, supported by institutes such as the National Science Foundation and the National Institutes of Health and the Department of Defense. And as I said before, not only a professor at Drexel, but you were their vice provost for undergraduate education. So again, uh, uh, welcome here, Tim. Great. Let's just uh, talk a little bit about, uh, you know, you were in Philadelphia. You grew up in, I'll say I know, western Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. uh, spent a lot of years in Philadelphia. What's your path? How did you get here? Sure. To engineering, how did you end up at Barron? Yeah, well, you know, when you think about engineering, I was, I was always uh, fascinated and, and, and just trying to figure out how things work as a little kid. And, and that traditional good at math and science, yeah, I probably was pretty good at math and science. Um, but I come from a family that, that really was scientifically minded. My dad was a PhD. He was uh, had his PhD in physics. My grandfather was a rocket scientist and, and really a, a rocket a scientist. A real rocket scientist. <laughs> yeah, he, <laughs> not a cliche. Not a cliche <laughs> in this case. He um, uh, was a German rocket scientist and worked on the V2 rocket and wow. uh, came over with, with a whole bunch of German scientists after Second World War. So my dad was, was born in Germany, so I, I guess I'm really a first generation uh, uh, mm -hmm. as a student here at, at when I started at Penn State. But as a third generation PhD, it's always something we thought about. I remember even writing to my grandfather as a little kid and I would write a thank you note for Christmas, I'd write in a code. And he'd try to figure this out, and could he figure out my code? And and he always did, or the code never made sense, and he was always like, what the heck was you trying to say? But um, it's just something that we've always kind of done. And, and so I say it's a little bit of nurture in nature. It's something I've always enjoyed doing, but a little bit of nature there, too, that, you know, this is the environment we brought up on. And... Um, Although my brothers are lawyers, but anyways, I'm I'm still the uh, the engineer. Some, some now, people so. go awry. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we still love them. <laughs> well, you know your research. You look at it. You've got a number of patents. You work in areas that are like I'll, I'll list some of them here, like optical microsystems, alternative materials, electronics, and antennas. And I know that may sound fun. You've worked on these interesting bioengineering products. Tell us in layman terms, what are the things that yeah. excite you? What have you done in your career? Yeah, one of, one of the cool things about being a university professor is, is you get to research on what you like. And I, and I started as a real optics guy. I, was, uh, I, I did some experimental optics, did a lot of modeling of optics, and in particular on, on MEMS, M-E-M-S, or, or microelectrical mechanical systems. And from there, at one point, I started to change my career more into to biomedical. And I saw how light and optics interacted with tissue. Mm -hmm. I could do some earlier, early cell detection um, 
looking for cancerous cells. And then I, I started collaborating even more across Drexel when I was there. And I worked with the department chair of OBGYN. I worked with fashion design. It actually sounds like a bad joke where, where when an engineer, a doctor, and a fashion designer walk into a bar, what happens? You know, it's, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know what the punchline is, but for us, it, the punchline was this incredible research opportunity. And we came up with this idea where we could, uh, and talking to our OBGYN uh, expert, when, when moms go into labor, they're supposed to ambulate. They're supposed to walk around. They're supposed to, it helps the whole natural process of, of birth. And the first thing that happens to moms, I remember this, I, I have three kids, and, and the mom goes into to labor, and they, they tether her down. They've got all these different sensors on her, and she can't even move. So we were trying to make this completely wireless, completely battery-free belly band, and, and that was our, mm -hmm. our, our name of this. So it was made completely out of knitted fabric, but we were really intentional about some of the threads in this were conductive. And all of a sudden, we were able to make an antenna. You couldn't even see it in the fabric. It was a really uh, just a very comfortable garment that the mom could wear. But we put a tiny little RFID in there, and we could tell when the mom was having contractions. And, and when we started this project, we were like, oh, this is the coolest application ever. And it really was a cool application. It was a really hard application, as you could imagine, yeah, too. Yeah, it's not easy. But what we came up with is, is something that could really detect deformation. And so respiration became very easy. We could detect respiration in, in little infants and, and just by wearing a shirt or a belly band for the mom in that case that, that had disconductive fiber. And it was really, really cool work. And I've got a couple patents on these things and it, it was really something that inspired me. And just, just was this idea that, yeah, that's why I became an engineer. You find a problem, you try to solve it, you gotta work together, you gotta collaborate with other experts, and you can come up with something that really works. So did it come to market, or are there similar products out there now? You know, there, it is, it, it's not in market today, but it's been trialed. We, we did do some test runs on the whole thing. What we've learned is, especially in that community, it's so hard to change the norm, because all of a sudden, mm -hmm. every birthing room would have to be decked out with RFIDs and just really this type of thing. As great and, and you think that the technology behind medicine should, it, it's, it's up to date, of course, but it takes time to change. And that's something that we're still facing. But Now, I worked on a, a medical application 20, 30 years ago yeah. that we thought could revolutionize a different, you know, application. I don't want to go into yeah. it, but it, what I found was uh, insurance didn't like it. That was the end of it. Absolutely. <laughs> the insurance companies <laughs> was not an accepted uh, therapy. Right. They weren't interested. They hadn't accepted one. And, uh, you know, I think if it's really good, though, a lot of these technologies, eventually, they do make their They'll way there, there. But it takes some time. It and does. You have to really be persistent. Yep. So, you know, I just want to ask, you know, this made me think about uh, clothes and textiles. And I think there is a revolution coming there in terms of probably putting sensors in our clothes. You also see like the Apple Watch is able to actually do in, in other smart devices or start to sense what's going on in your body in a sophisticated way. Wearable devices, obviously, in the last five, ten years have gone crazy, right? But, but typically, they're strap-on things. It's a, maybe a strap-on band around your, your heart. The Apple Watch does incredible work and, and even pulse oxometry at that point. Yep. It measures your oxygen. Measures your oxygen, <laughs> right? We all know, unfortunately, know about this through this COVID. But the real integration in the fabric is what I think was really unique about our work is that you wouldn't even know that you have this sensor built yeah. into a fabric. And that's what's so really cool. There's so much work that can be done in this space and, and is being done right now. Yeah, well, fascinating. So you're doing all that great work at Drexel. How, why'd you come to Behrend? Towards the end of my Drexel career, I 
got more into administration. And it's something that I, I, I really started to enjoy. And, and I love teaching. I love research. I love teaching. I think when you uh, sit down with me a little bit, I, I could probably go off too much on, on how much I enjoy those types of things. But teaching is you're, you're affecting that classroom. Maybe it's those 25 students, maybe it's 50, whatever the number of students is. And what I started realizing is I could make a bigger difference in an, an administrative role. I could start helping every single student across the engineering discipline in, 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 in the case here at Barron by thinking about the programs, thinking about the big picture. How can we put the right things in place that we can really become this, this expert of, of education, make sure every student benefits? So Ralph, Ralph and I, we, we met. 10 years ago, probably mm -hmm. something yeah, like we did. that, in, in our professional society, we were both electrical yeah. engineers, and you always told me these great things that were going on at Barron, so it was always in the back of my mind. I was very Penn State proud, having my undergraduate degree, and so it was something that was always in the back of my mind. Um, when I th heard this job was open, it really interested me. I was, I was doing great at Drexel. I, I loved what I was able to do, but I saw the strengths of Barron. Engineering education, something that I believe in, something Barron believes in. There's a great, perfect fit there. Um, the movement at Barron to become a research excellence place, that's really exciting. Mm -hmm. I've got a lot of experience in this. So these are my two strengths, and these are things that I could bring here at Barron. So I was very happy to see that, that a job was, was posted, happy to go through the interview process, and obviously happy to be here with you now. Well, now it's uh, it's three plus years, three I think. Three plus so, years, uh, time flies. You know, and uh, I'll say we're always, we're ha very happy you're here. And you know, you are leading our engineering school, and uh, that is a highly ranked school. And in fact, this year the latest ranking, I think, 39 by U.S. News and World Report in undergraduate engineering schools. To talk about that, is it important? You know, how do how do you get that ranking? Absolutely, and it, it is important, but it's just one one marker. Let, let's let's first start on on that importance. It's really a recognition of our outside peers, the outside nation, being able to recognize, hey, these guys are doing great things here at Barron. They know our programs, they know the outcome of, of our successful students, and this is how this ranking is, is put together. It's, it's a couple of different uh, statistics, as you can imagine, of class size and all of these other things, but it's also a pure evaluation. So what this really says is our peers know what great things that are happening at Barron. But as I said, it's just one number. 39, fantastic. We love it. Sure. We're very yeah. proud of it. But what it doesn't even take into account is, is all the other great things that we're doing here. You mm -hmm. know, if we're 25, if we're 50, I, I don't know what the right number is, is for here at Barron. But what I do know is that we're able to educate at this high level. We're able to make sure that every single one of our graduates are ready for whatever comes next for them. Is it a job, is it graduate school, whatever that is. Um, so beyond the ranking, as I said, I'm, I'm tremendously proud of it and I'm proud of it for our faculty, I'm proud of it for our staff because those are the ones that work so hard to, to put this program together. But it is just one number. I know all the other great things that we're doing here that probably sure. so many folks don't even well, know. You know, let me follow up and ask then, what do you think are the, the characteristics or that set us apart in your school? Yeah. What, are, what are the things that, that that, that make it different sure. or stand out in your And mind. some of it is, is, is the unique way that we do things. We have some very unique programs that, that no one else has, right? Our plastics engineering technology and just how that grew from an industry need. And in this community, um, we had folks that said, we need to be able to train these, these students that they can come and be engineers at, at our shops. And that's uh, an investment there. So that uh, unique programs. But it's also our 
student success efforts here. We want our students to be successful. We pride ourselves in a, a small classroom. We want to, our students to be able to know our faculty. We want our students to be able to um, uh, work with our faculty. I think another thing, we, we talked a little bit about research, we talked a little bit about education, so that the integration of these two things that really set mm -hmm. us apart. As I mentioned, I, I came from Drexel, and Drexel is a co-op school, which means that they every student has to graduate with at least a six-month co-op. Um, but I can say with, with real confidence that we work with industry almost as well as anyone around. We know how mm -hmm. to get our students internships. We know how to get our students uh, different types of co-ops, and we can really prepare them for that. And the Senior Capstone Project, absolutely. I mean, many of the projects are sponsored by industry. Yeah, absolutely, well. and, and, and that connection is that, that real-world connection. We have so many faculty that um, uh, uh, believe that our open lab philosophy here at, at Barron that says we want to work with industry. And working with industry can be defined in so many ways. Some of the great ways that we do it in, in the School of Engineering is, is research projects, of course, but that senior capstone experience. Most of these projects are, are student, I'm sorry, are industry sponsored, uh, meaning that industry is giving us real world problems, things that they just don't have time to work with, or we're working with their engineers on these problems. Um, and that gives our students something really special. Yeah, let's uh, stick with the curriculum and programs. And I mean, there are a lot of unique things. So I'd like to step through a few, but one is this connection with the business school. Yeah. And we have uh, a major interdisciplinary business with engineering. We have a lot of cross-curricular collaboration. That's not that usual, is it? No, that's that's really something different as well. And, and Barron's commitment to, to interdisciplinary education is something that, that stands out. The integrated business and engineering degree you mentioned, Ralph, is just so, something you don't see other places. And you don't even see it across Penn State. And mm -hmm. we're really unique in that area where students look at them, uh, get that degree, where they can speak on both sides of the academic spectrum. They can speak like an engineer, but they also have that business background. So it's really something special between those degrees. I look back at my own electrical engineering degree from Penn State, and I say, gosh, what, what would I do differently? Mm -hmm. and, and I wouldn't do a lot, but I'd take a business class for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I really <laughs> wish I took a business class. And just the way my career path went, I wish I took a biology class. Yeah. And, and but my last formal biology class, I think, was ninth grade high school. And I remember yeah. dissecting the frog and doing all of that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And then you look where Talking my research... Amoebas and paramecium. All, all <laughs> under the, and then we're done, right? We probably <laughs> have nothing it. else to say. About. But I, I look at my research path and where I went, and holy smokes, a little bit of biology would have helped, too. Yeah. But that really leads us to some of the great programs that we have. That that partnership with business, we share the Burke Building together. Tremendous. I, I we work out down the hall. Our faculty know each other. They collaborate together. And what's growing even more all the time is our our partnership and our integration with science as well. Mm -hmm. So a couple of new degrees that we've got going, right. and and as as we've talked about before, polymer engineering and science. Mm -hmm. Right, a perfect degree really uh, cross-disciplinary between the School of Engineering and the School of Science. And uh, these students with this degree are, are really going to be tremendous in their ways that they can help this whole plastics, they can help this, the, the, the environmental science of things. So, so we can start thinking about end-of-life of plastics before, we'll, we, before yeah. we ever start. And as engineers, I don't think we can do that alone. We need that chemistry. We need some of that materials right. work. There is that interdisciplinary. How do you solve the sustainable plastics exactly. issues that are out there? Exactly. How do you make it more recyclable? Yeah. There are a lot of advantages in terms of weight, 
greenhouse gases that plastics actually do have that people don't don't recognize. Right. But it's an important material that we just need to continue to make better and better. So we've got uh, you know interdisciplinary business and engineering. The polymer engineering and science is an exciting new program. But one that we often don't talk about is you know software engineering and computer science. Software engineering is also quite a unique program. There are only maybe 30 of them in the country. Right. But we went online with that a few years ago. So tell us what that's about. Sure, sure. So so software engineering, and, and that that's a question we get all the time. What's the difference between computer science and software engineering? Mm-hmm. And and really, I, I look at the words themselves. Computer science is really the science behind computing, the algorithms that you put together. Software engineering is really the engineering approach. How do you put a huge structure together uh, uh, and any of your favorite games or whatever my kids are into all these games and I, I think oh my gosh the engineering that goes behind all of that coding and that structure again we Penn State Baron the only place you can get the software engineering degree and a couple mm-hmm. years ago we were contacted by Penn State's world campus to would this uh, program um, could we transition this to the world campus, meaning an all online program that students can take this across the world and, and have a Penn State software engineering degree? And we worked really hard to make this happen. And, and in fact, it's one of the highest growing programs in, in the world campus right now. So many people want mm-hmm. this. I'll, I'll be very honest. Yeah. We, we, we're almost overwhelmed at, at how many students We can't want this. hire enough people to <laughs> That's teach. That's right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we're always looking. And uh, there's my call for, for, for the radio public out there. Yeah. If, if anyone yeah. wants to help us teach some some uh, computer science and software engineering, we're always looking at it. a little joke there, but yeah. but but it has been welcomed with such open arms from the world campus, and we just see the student demand yeah. for this. It's it's a tremendous. So, somebody who's interested in uh, artificial intelligence and cybersecurity, what would what, where would they find a home here? Yeah, I think you'd you'd find it right in that computer science department, and it's our joint department going computer science and and software engineering. And but what you find is those that AI or that machine learning is it's just applications that go to every field, right? Mm-hmm. So so even at, as an electrical engineer or, or a mechanical engineer, you want to be able for machines to be able to learn. Can they sense so much that you can start thinking about all that data? And uh, something that we've been thinking about here at Barron recently is this idea of data analytics as mm-hmm. well. And this is going to be one of these interdisciplinary opportunities from the School of Business to School of Engineering to Humanities to, to the School of Science where we can put all of this together and really comes back to that idea of machine learning. Can it look at this big data set and figure out some trends that, that can be useful for that specific application? Yeah. And, uh you know, there, there's so much there, but I like to point out to people, come and look at those degree programs, and you can really go into a whole lot of different areas from encryption and cybersecurity to whatever else it may be. But let's switch back to your bio biology yeah. discussion before. <laughs> What's also, I think, exciting, so there's been a lot going on. You started a biomedical engineering minor a couple of years ago, so I want to hear about that. And it's also related to, and we'll get to this as well, to this partnership that we have with the McGee Women's Research Institute, but not exclusively. So tell us about right. biomedical engineering. So, so this is the first time the biomedical engineering degree, uh, the minor, has left University Park. And and that's really exciting that that they've trusted us to, to deliver the courses that are necessary. And we have the confidence that we know that we can do this as well. Students are taking courses in, in School of Science with some of the fundamental biology type of classes. But then they, they really, the, the, the hallmark of this 
minor is the courses that they take in engineering at the end. And we're offering biomedical courses in imaging, in devices, in work that's being done with the hearts. And so there's just so many neat opportunities here. We're really just opening up our course catalog of these courses. As more faculty are getting involved, we're offering newer courses and really some specialized courses that people can leave with. When, when our students are looking at jobs that are out there and they're thinking about what they want to be, this is just such a perfect addition to their traditional engineering degree, be it mechanical or electrical, computers, computer science, anything like that. We really start thinking about the application at the end of the day. So it's, really so it's that broad that if you're in mechanical engineering or electrical or computer or computer science, you can get this biomedical engineering Absolutely. And minor. that is such a, a perfect addition to that degree. really makes you that much more marketable uh, when, when you're looking for that job. Yeah, I think the advantage of that is you get, of course, the great Penn State degree. You have one that's well-recognized, plus you add on biomedical engineering, opens up a lot of opportunities. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Wow, that, that's exciting. Yeah. Well, a few years ago, you, as, as you know, when you were involved in the discussions from the, the inception, we announced a large partnership with the McGee Women's Research Institute for them to bring this initiative to Erie, Pennsylvania. And uh, when I say initiative, they have one of the most recognized, if not most recognized, research institute in the world devoted to women's health. Anyways, they wanted to expand to Erie. They came in, they had discussions with us, and a lot has transpired since then. So why don't you tell us a little bit from your perspective? What's that about? Why it's important? What is oh, this? Sure, How's yeah. it impacting your school? Just Absolutely. This this is such a, an impact for our school, of course, for the School of Science as well, but, but really just an impact for Erie and, and this community. And that's what really excites me about this project. Where it impacts our school is that it starts, we, we start thinking about these real world problems. I think back in my own career, how did I ever get into this biomedical field where, where I entered? It was from talking to doctors. You gotta understand what are their problems and, and how we can solve for this. So I think the, what I'm most in our, uh, excited about is having our students, having our faculty talking with, with these medical professionals. Mm -hmm. Understand what are their challenges. Sometimes their challenges are things that we might do every day and, mm -hmm. and we just don't even think about it. And as once we know something, we can help them as well. So we're going to be thinking about different types of devices that we can work with these doctors with, um, different types of, of just creative thinking. One of the things that, that is, is a neat opportunity that many people forget when, when you're thinking about my biomedical. And we mentioned computer science before, how much programming needs to be mm -hmm. done? Is it from even apps that are monitoring something? Is it from full-fledged computer programming to collect data and, and things like that? So beyond just maybe where you would think our traditional overlaps might be in, in electrical engineering, mechanical engineering, plastics, of course, right? Plastics is going to have mm -hmm. a big part of this as, as we think about how do we help them collect samples sure. or data and things like that. Computer science is going to be benefit greatly yeah. as well. Well, I know you already have some of your uh, faculty members. Dr. Sammy Madbouli, for example, is working on this biomaterials for meshes that go inside the body. And, Absolutely. Uh, and he's doing that with the, the Women's Research Institute. And it's those partnerships that, that are starting and, and beyond just the actual partnership and in, in, in saying there's there's dollars behind this partnership too. Oh. And this is what can help faculty hire students. This is what can help faculty run experiments. And this is going to be really exciting. Let's switch to one more area that I know you're really passionate about. Not as though you're not already showing a lot of passion, but that's uh, robotics and automation. Yeah. And I know you and a number of your school are looking at curriculum and laboratory and facilities, and you, there's a tremendous amount. We hear about Industry 4.0, smart devices, home automation. 
What are you doing there? Yeah, Ralph, this is going to be one of our newest areas, and we're going to commit to this, and actually we are committing to this. Again, this is really driven from our conversations out in the community. I, we, I talk to, to companies all the time. You talk to companies all the time. One of the things that we hear almost to the point every time is we need help in robotics. We need help, but not just robotics, right? Pick and place arms are great, and that is in such an important part of manufacturing. And we've seen it from steel manufacturing to our plastics friends to all, all around, but it's the automation too. Automation. What I mean by that automation is, mm -hmm. is the movement, the whole system level process. And that is what our industry friends have said, Baron, can you, can you help us out here? And indeed, just like we did with plastics, be it 25 years ago or so, I think we're ready to step up to this challenge as well. We're making some initial investments right now. We have a couple robots on order, if you will, and they should actually be here uh, quite, quite soon. But we're not just doing the, the robotics arms that we're talking about. We're buying conveyors. We're buying all a completely vision system, all the type of things that are really going to be in these manufacturing cells that we see out there. Our manufacturing friends tell us, Everything that we're doing is homegrown. We have to train our own people. As, as I said, they, that, that cry for help a little bit. We're being responsive. We're gonna help educate our students as they're ready to graduate, but we also wanna work with our workforce development and, and our, our own training. Barron offers this to the community of, of mm -hmm. those that, that maybe need retrained or, or, or refreshers on things and through our, our community uh, partnerships. Let's bring back them, uh, those folks as well, and get them trained too. Well, it's really fascinating, and we want to see how it develops. But like you said, it's automation, 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 and we're seeing that integration from electronic. I mean, you name the industry, we see it. And uh, anyways, our students are able to go work in that area as well. But we're coming to the end of our time, so I'd like to give you, you know, the opportunity. Uh, what would you like to add? Anything else, Tim? Uh, well, just just thanks, Ralph. I mean, this, this, it's always exciting to talk about our School of Engineering. When, when I come out of, of little things like this, people always say, they hear it in my voice. And, and I, that, that is no show. This is something that I'm tremendously proud of. I'm proud of, of what we're able to do here. And that, that's it. And, and, and beyond the academic side of the house, what I really enjoy is, is working with the community. And I come from a, a, I came from a big city in Philadelphia. But the opportunities of working with the community are, are so much even broader here in mm -hmm. here. And, and I see your leadership and how you interact with the community, what the School of Engineering can do to help our industry, help our community is, is just wonderful. So really happy to be here, and thanks for the opportunity, Robert. Well, again, we're happy you're here, and this has been a great conversation. Uh, my guest today is Dr. Tim Kurzweig, Director of the School of Engineering. You have been listening to Barron Talks. I'm Dr. Ralph Ford.